With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This week's episode of the CB Spotlight for 2023 is with Ben Ross. He is the co-owner of Brackish Bowties, which they now make a lot more than bowties. Sure do. And we want to thank Seaweed for letting us have an opportunity to talk to Ben. He was an awesome guy. Amazing vibe. Really yeah. enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, it was great. He, uh, you know, family man, outdoorsman, passionate about what he does and, and the business that he's grown. And they make some really phenomenal, really unique products. So uh, make sure you check out Brackish. It's really cool to hear his story. It's a local story of success. It's fantastic. Absolutely. So enjoy this episode. Thanks for joining. From Brackish, yeah. Uh, welcome to <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us this weekend. This is um, the I, I can't keep track of how many we've done now, but um, another another uh, episode in our Seaweed Spotlight series where we take an opportunity to sit down and talk with folks that are participating in, in Seaweed VIPs at Seaweed, whatever the case may be. Uh, talk about what they're doing, what they what they have going on, and uh, yeah, we're glad to have you. For, so thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Really excited. Seaweed's back upon us. Uh, you know, it's our 10th year there at Seaweed, and we're really excited for the Brackish team. Uh, you know, we feel like that's right there in our backyard. It's such an important event for the state of South Carolina and the city of Charleston, and uh, we're just honored to be back uh, down there and uh, doing our thing. Yeah, it's great, man. And it's, it's one thing about Brackish is uh, well, I was going to reach out last year, but I, I don't remember what happened. I think somebody wasn't there because we were doing in-person at the showgrounds there, but this time we're doing it in the studio so we get a little bit better quality. So I'm glad that we were able to connect, but I love the Brackish story because it's basically like every childhood boy's dream. And I didn't know, like <laughs> you just made some stuff and then before you know it, here we are. So I don't know if you want to give That's kind it. of the background yeah. of the story for everybody. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh, I wanted to give a gift for my heart to special family and friends. Uh, oh, there I am. There oh, you go. Bam. <laughs> nice. There we go. Now we got video. Yeah. Oh, I got now some deer here. in the background. Yeah. I see some yeah, whiskey in there. Beer, bows, you know, hey, I'm, we're all here. Bows That's what's up. Yeah, here, all kinds of stuff. Bourbon, like whiskey, yeah, all kinds of stuff. We've yeah. Got You're a man after our but hearts anyway, then. But no, yeah, absolutely. But no, it's an honor to be here. But no, back down to the story. So um, now we can see each other. But no, it. Um, you know, 15 years ago, my wife and I were getting married, and I wanted to give a gift to my family and friends that showed how much I loved them, how much of an impact they've had on my life. Um, and so I went to the drawing board a way to incorporate mother nature. Cause I've always played with feathers. I've always tied flies. I've always fletched arrows. 
Uh, just growing up since nine, 10 years old, I've always loved the outdoors. I mean, I, if, if I wasn't inside, I was outdoors, you know, doing something until the streetlights came on. And my, my dad always had a real high pitched whistle that he would always do, you know, like, and so that would always call me back in, um, you know, from outside. And so, um, that was always the dinner bell for me. So, uh, I just grew up running the creeks, uh, the streams, the ponds and the rivers around South Carolina. And, um, yeah, I just truly wanted to give a gift to my family and friends and showed them how much of an impact they'd had on my life. And so I happened one day to lay a turkey feather, uh, the, the body feather of a turkey feather was as natural shape as triangular. And so when you look at a bow tie, it has that triangular shape down to the center knot. And that was the light bulb moment when I was just sitting there messing around with feathers because I designed a boutonniere first. Uh, but I thought that, you know, they would just wear that that one day at the wedding and then put it aside. It, it wouldn't be the gift that just kept on every time they put it on, remind them of me yeah. how much I loved them. So I went to the drawing board or something that they would stand the test of time. And that's where the feather bow tie came from. And uh, it's been an incredible journey ever since. You know, Jeff saw what it could be. Um, and uh, he uh, quit uh, law school to drop out. He, he said, I think you've got something here. Let's partner up. You make them, I sell them. And we've assembled an incredible team. And um, he, he, with his guidance and his leadership, and, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. We, 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 we just have a lot of fun every day showing up to work and just doing something that we're so passionate about and uh, love so much. And that's fair, our favorite part about Seaweed is meeting people with that story. Like we have a similar story, just doing stuff that you like doing. But the the bow ties, I uh, don't remember when I first saw them. It had to be not long after you started selling them here in Charleston, and I had to get one. And I've bought several now. I've given a few as gifts, but one of my favorite ones was a special edition you guys did. It was uh, it was like a red, white, and blue pattern. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, that's the, that's the Independence Collection. That's the one we always do the Fourth of July. Yeah, uh, that one. You know, we have like the Heartland, I believe is probably what it was named after George Strait, one of my favorite songs, um, Heartland yeah, yep. by George Strait. And so I figured what else could represent uh, more red, white, and blue than George Strait and uh, sing a song about the Heartland. So that's why that, that the time, everything we do at Brackish, uh, uh, you know, is, is about purpose and meaning. Uh, we're going to put our heart and soul behind something. And when we brand that B on top of that box, we're going to stand behind it. So everything from the name to the product, uh, to the story behind it all has relative relevance and meaning. I, I we're going to do something, we're going to put everything we got into it. Uh, we don't just uh, do things just to do things. We uh, make sure that uh, beauty is in the details. And that's where, uh, you know, I think that you can never have too, too much is never enough on the details. Absolutely. And how do you do the backside? Is that all proprietary stuff or do you build off something that already exists? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we took um, the original ones was just me with a, 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 you know, a, a silk bow tie and I was hot gluing them onto the, the silk bow tie. That's how the first ones were done. Very, very crude, very rough, very, very just rudimentary. And uh, through our incredible artisan team, uh, they've developed tactics and skills that has allowed the feathers to adhere to the backing much better. We actually uh, assemble the tie itself all from scratch now where we're, we're not buying a pre-made tie from somewhere else and then just putting feathers on it anymore. We're actually making the tie from start to finish. I mean, so it's, it's evolved. Uh, we never, uh, Jeff always says better, better, better. We're always looking for ways to better what we're doing, better our craft, better our trade. Um, and, uh, I think if you get complacent in trying to better yourself and better your company and better your product, uh, that could be death for a business and death for a company. Uh, so we're always trying to innovate, always improve, uh, and always strive to, for perfection, which we understand we may never achieve, but, uh, why not shoot for the stars? You know, um, you know, when it comes to the bow tie, you know, the backing has always come, uh, that was a 
new uh, system we put in there, like a, a like a hard backing. Now we're not just up against um, you know the material there, um, the fabric. So we have a hard backing in there that we call the coffin. Um, but then the rest of it is kind of is proprietary. How that is adhered to the uh, fabric, and then the feathers are adhered to that coffin material there. So, but they've come a long way since those first ones uh, 15 years ago, and I attribute that all to our incredible team. I could definitely see the difference in some of the early ones I have and the ones now. The early ones were, were so fragile, like I would only wear them to, if I knew I wasn't going to get too drunk. But the, yeah. uh, the new ones, yeah. I'm pretty sure I could run a marathon on the new ones and they'd be all right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're creating the, um, the, 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 the idea was there for it to be a, kind of a, a gift that would last a lifetime. But now they actually will last a lifetime with uh, all the, the procedures and uh, all the tactics that we uh, utilize in crafting them now. So, yeah, they've come a long way, but I'm proud to uh, to still be associated with it. They still let me come around and uh, come through the office and, uh, and tear things up for about a day, a week or so. Well, that's <laughs> good. And where's the main? Is it still all here in Charleston? All still right there in Charleston. Yep. Uh, West Ashley, uh, right there off of Wallace School Road. Um, you know, we're very, very, uh, lo lo we love the city of Charleston. We, I don't think we'd be where we are today without the talent uh, that is in the city of Charleston and the state of South Carolina. Um, you know, you have such incredible programs like SCAD, College of Charleston, uh, and many others that are around that area that, uh, you know, the kids are getting out of school with an art degree and they're like, what am I going to do? Am I going to go into uh, HRT, Hotel Restaurant Tourism, or what am I going to do with it and go, you know, work as a, you know, a bartender or whatever. And so we offer somebody who has an artistic background that went to Johnson & Wales, went to an art major at College of Charleston, somewhere where they can get their foot in the door in the fashion industry or just, you know, getting their hands on making things and just seeing how, you know, it, this kind of work, the world works in that kind of capacity. And so it's a, it's a great way for them to dip their toes in the water and see if it's something they really want to stick with for a lifetime. We've had people leave Brackish and going up to New York and uh, start careers in fashion and things of that nature. And we have so, so many talented individuals that just exude uh, just their craft, whether it be art, be it fashion or whatever it may be. But um, we're very, very fortunate to have the individual we are. And I don't think we'd be where we are today without the city of Charleston and all the talent that's down there. That's amazing. It's it's good to hear when a local story works out well. Yep, for sure. So as a young Ben I Ross. My, I, have to, I have to pitch myself every day. I mean, I get to wake <laughs> up and play with feathers. Who gets to say they get to wake up and play with feathers? I mean, I, I mean, nothing occurs. <laughs> you get out there and just do your thing, figure out some outlandish ideas, you know, come up with some prototypes and, and bring them down here. We'll, we'll figure out how to make them sellable. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you get your feathers from? Everywhere, I'm guessing. That's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, two ways, um, you know, birds naturally molt. And so all of our exotics, like your Lady Amherst, your Peacock, your Guineas, all the exotic silver pheasant, all those birds naturally shed their feathers twice a year. So we have deals with feather uh, suppliers that actually have relationships with the farmers. They go out and pick those feathers up. Uh, because if the bird's not well-maintained or kept, you know, in cages or something like that, the feather's going to be destroyed because if they rub against fences or cages, what's that going to do to a feather? It's going to destroy it. We won't be able to use it. So the bird is cared for in the best way, shape, possible form. And so we're able to pay those individuals to go out and pick those feathers up. And then we buy them from the, the supplier and they're able to utilize those feathers. And that's through molt. And then the other way is farm to table where you have your bobwhite quail, your turkey, your chucker, your pheasant that are raised for farm raised position, like a farm to table movement, like where they're raising the birds to then you know, harvest and then put on the table down the line uh, for the you know, human consumption. Well, we've actually established relationships uh, with, you know, th third generation farmers out in Wyoming, Nebraska, Montana, Texas, and some of you right here in Monk's Corner, right here in South Carolina, where we're like, hey, hey, we would love to buy your feathers that you're throwing in the landfill behind your house. They're like, hold mm -hmm. on, what do you want to do? 
You want to come to my house and pay me money for feathers and I'm throwing away? I was like, yes, sir. And guess what? I'll even pay you for your time to do it. And so they get to get paid for their time to pluck the feathers. We get bombed by the bag and then we get the feathers as a byproduct of another industry. So no bird is ever harmed for brackish to obtain a single feather, which is something I'm very proud of. Oh, yeah. That's something definitely to be proud of. It's very uh, cool. As a using things that come from animals in the fashion industry, there's probably very few of you. I tell you what, there, there, there are, but I think as, as brackish has kind of found a toe in the niche in the market, uh, people are starting to catch on. Uh, and so we're getting a lot of uh, knockoffs and things of that nature. But it's interesting because uh, I used to get really upset. And, uh, you know, a lot of our team did too, which I love. I take pride in people getting upset about what we, we call, we, what, we, what we own. But, um, but, you know, I say if we're not doing something worthwhile, then, you know, nobody be knocking us off. That's actually a biggest form of flattery is imitation. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, 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 I take it as a compliment. I'm like, hey, we're doing something right. Here. My wife actually was one of the people that found there was a company that was knocking you guys off, and she had sent an email and, and or a DM or something. And whoever runs that was like, "Oh, we were yeah. not aware of this. Thank you for telling us." And uh, you thank, know, we thank her for me. Thank her for me. Please. I will. We've always been big supporters of Brackish. I love it. And then uh, we got all excited. We saw Bill Murray was wearing one, and every time we see a celebrity wearing one, we're like, "All right." <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I, it's, it's, it's a pinch me moment every time. Uh, you know that we get kind of the the heads up. There may be one on a red carpet event or something like that it's very surreal to see it on tv uh, it's very surreal to see those individuals that can wear anything from around the globe any designer uh from their you know tuxedo to you know their components and their accessories that they wear uh, at that in those moments those red carpet moments especially presenting or being up on the stage uh they could choose anything any designer they want across the world and they'd be honored and they choose brackish so that is extremely i mean we are humbled and honored um you know with bill that was one of the biggest uh, you know first we've ever had he was the first celebrity ever to wear it and that was at the emmys when he was a presenter and he wore the peacock and it was just i mean it was i i, I mean i couldn't believe it I, I mean jeff and i were acting like two little schoolboys jumping up and down you know on the phone with each other i couldn't believe it can't believe it can't believe it and and sure enough it's become true and, and and slowly you know a lot of people have gravitated towards them i think they just i think they kind of shed a little uniqueness and individuality and kind of lets the individual express themselves and usually a kind of a bland you know black tie affair you're able to put a little bit of personality around your neck so uh i thought that was pretty cool well, I've never been a bow tie person. It's like I'm sure yeah. young Ben Ross didn't think he'd be in the fashion industry, but Dude. young young Matt never thought he'd wear a bow tie. But the first time I saw, he, he used to make fun of me for it. But it's like, did I wear one to your wedding? No, I, I wore whatever you got. I was yeah. In, yeah, I wore. But I've worn them to weddings. I wear them. I wear them to like Christmas dinners. I mean, it's I because they're great. It's an awesome story piece. A great conversation, and it's I, I just enjoy it. I think they're cool looking. I thank you so much. I have a, a, a question about the manufacturing process, uh, I, I guess sure. it is. Uh, is there a particular feather that is really difficult to work with? You know, that's a great question. Um, you know, the peacock eye feather is an extremely difficult uh, feather to work with because if you look at the peacock eye feather, it's a bunch of individual feathers that usually uh, are used to being splayed apart, and mm -hmm. we're trying to get them to stick together because right. when the peacock fluffs them up and fluffs them out, he's he, he's 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 tailing. He's he's showing, hey, ladies, here I am. You know, look at me, how beautiful and how pretty I am. I am the healthiest male out here on the barnyard. You know, check me out or wherever he is. Uh, wherever he's displaying. And so when we try 
adhere that feather to a uh, to a, to an earring, to a uh, cuff, or to a um, you know bow tie. We're trying to line up all those feathers where they're laying perfect, where that eye, and then all of those feathers that are usually you know fluffed out are laid perfectly down all together. So that's probably that's a great question and probably one of the hardest feathers to work with. Uh, I would say would be that peacock eye feather, just because it's so important to get each one of those um, feathers correctly orientated, or the whole thing doesn't work. When you, you guys, you started with bow ties, uh, how soon after you started, did you move into making other, other articles or other pieces? That's a, a fantastic way. Well, actually it was our first seaweed. It was so funny because we only had four designs. I'd only designed four designs because Jeff, Jeff, I had the original obviously. And Jeff was like, we need more than one uh, design. So I went to the drawing board and I came up with the pheasant, the guinea, and I think the copper. Those are the four designs we had. And so we went to our first uh, uh, seaweed um, and we were in the Mills house, in the basement of the Mills house. And, uh, you know, we had some window shoppers because people come by. It was brand new on the scene. Nobody had heard of it. Everybody, we'd been laughed out of stores. You know, and, and, and But we had, we had belief. We had, we had conviction that we were really going to see this thing through. And, um, and so in an effort to try to um, incentivize people to uh, buy the bow tie, I was like, hey, I'm making a pin here, too. I, I just had, I happened to have a bunch of pins that I had cut uh, out of plum thorns, uh, off of plum thorn. And I was just whipping them up and making like little hat pins and little shirt pins. And that's what we actually have. It. It's called the PT pin. P, pin now uh, that we sell online, man, Jeff uh, and I started giving them away to people to incentivize them to buy the, the bow tie. And he, he was like, what are you doing back there? I was like, oh, well, I'm just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a freebie if they buy a bow tie. He's like, hold on, hold on, stop doing that. That's our second product. So Jeff has always had his mind like in the <laughs> He's always like foreseen like things like for uh, the the cummerbunds. I, the way I denoted family from friends in the wedding back when I got married 15 years ago was my dad, my brother, and I all wore a, a turkey feather cummerbund, and so that was always naturally going to line up. And so that really means a lot to me that product because that denotes family, and uh, I think that you know family and friends are the most important things in this world. Um, and I think anybody that knows me or any any of my buddies or friends or family would tell you that that is absolutely my core. That's who I am through and through. And so, um, so we've done that. And then back in, in 2019, we, uh, we want, we've been working behind the scenes for our women's product line uh, for two and a half years. Uh, and unbeknownst to us, you know, COVID was coming down the pipe in March of 2020. So we didn't, I hadn't had no clue that was coming down, but in, in October of 2019, we released the women's line. And it was cuffs and earrings, very simplistic in design, but very, very tastefully done and right on par with our with what we thought the brackish woman would be. Uh, and we attribute and the first entire line was named after our loved ones. You know, my wife, my mom, my grandmother, Jeff's mom, Jeff's wife, Jeff's grandmother, Jeff's cousins. I mean, we had my cousins. We had everything named after all the women in our lives. Uh, they've had an impact on our and kind of shaped our, our, our growth in our, uh, our our lifetime. And so we wanted to do right by the women. So that was one of the biggest things. And then when COVID hit, you know, bow ties screeched to a halt. There's, there was never a more tailor-made thing to shut a bow tie company down than COVID because all special events ceased. I mean, there was no more black ties. There was no more weddings. There was no more large gatherings. I mean, it just stopped for a year and a half, two years. And so what, what we were fortunately able to do, women were still shopping. So we revamped. We put some of our team on sewing things, and they came up with masks by the makers that earned us a trip to meet uh, Donald Trump again up at the White House and give a speech in the Rose Garden about being a part of uh, the solution and uh, you come together in the, in the country for the time of crisis, uh, which I'm very proud of our team about that. And it also allowed us to shift everybody off the bow ties and put them on to the women. 
women's accessories. And so the whole time, we never had to lay, lay one person off during the entire ordeal. And that's something I'm very proud about, where we were able to pivot, shift gears, and then refocus our efforts elsewhere where the demand was coming from. And now the women's has taken over where Brackish was nothing but Bowtie Company. Now we are just Brackish, and women's line is probably 70 75% of what we do now. So it's a hard, it's a hard belief. You talk about playing with feathers every day. I can't believe I'm in women's fashion every day. (laughs) You know, you you go where the path leads and, um, you know, it was very organic how it came to fruition. It was a way to honor our, you know, our grandmothers, um, you know, the matriarchs of our family, my mother, I mean, who's had such an incredible impact on my life. And uh, that's what the women's line is. It's a nod to my, my, the women in my life and the women in Jeff's life. Uh, I know he he would say the same thing. Well, that's awesome. And uh, congratulations. a, a, a serious congratulations for getting through COVID and making that pivot and being able to, to keep people employed. Um, you know, a lot of people weren't able to do that. A lot of people didn't have the foresight or business savvy to make that happen. And uh, that speaks a lot about yourself and, and the team that you have, um, you know, to be able to make that kind of move. That's, that's, that's really something special. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just think it's a, show, it's a, it's a testament to uh, Jeff's leadership and the willingness um, of our incredible artists and uh, front staff uh, to just, you know, to take directives and just, and to run with them and to come up with some great alternatives of what we could be doing as opposed to just sitting there and sulking. So um, the kudos to them. It was just, it, it's an honor every day to get to wake up every day and work with along such t- talented individuals. I have, I mean, I, I truly am honored uh, at the, the, the team we've built at Brackish. It's hard to believe. You make me feel like you might be the, one of the luckiest men in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely up there. I, you, you threw my wife in the mix of it. I'm definitely, I've outkicked my coverage. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So you're also an outdoorsman. You, uh, we were talking in, uh, over email there. You, you had a very important duck hunt that you were able to go witness. Yeah, you know, um, I, I love the outdoors. I think that uh, being outdoors uh, has had the biggest impact on my life uh, other than my two parents. Um, and my friends, I think that, uh, you know, outdoors, you, uh, you know, people aren't always around you when you're outdoors. Uh, you, you learn stewardship, you learn ethics, you learn responsibility, uh, you learn accountability, um, leave it better than you found it. All those type of things have always just been ingrained in me. And so I found, I found myself most at peace and most, um, kind of in my most calm space when I'm outside. I love spending time outside. Um, I, I, not that I loathe being indoors or in loathe being in cities, but I find that my heart and soul, I belong outdoors. And so, um, that's kind of, I have two sons, uh, Benson and Lakin, they're 10 and seven, and I've been raising them outdoors kind of the way I was raised, the way that my, my dad was raised by, by his grandfather, my, his, his dad and my grandfather and so, so on and so forth. And so uh, this past weekend, we had a uh, youth and veterans day. My father was, uh, he served in the U.S. Army. And of course, my son is 10. So he is considered a youth in the state of South Carolina as far as federal uh, and state duck hunting rules go. So they had a youth and veterans day. And so I was able to take uh, my father and my son all on a big duck hunt. We've gone duck hunting several times before this year, but it just was really special because of the fact that I wasn't able to hunt. I was out there for them only. I, I played duck hunting guide. I put dad and son, in, my son in the blind, and I went back to the shore, got the decoys, came out, you know, put them all out, you know, lugged everything out, brought them their snacks, brought them their drinks, and, uh, you know, I, I did everything but load their guns and, you know, <laughs> shoot things. So, I mean, it, it was just a very surreal moment, a, a very special moment for me just to see, um, you know, three generations of uh, my family uh, standing in the same duck blind uh, like we've done so many times. But I think that that morning just really hit home with me just how how special uh, those moments are especially when you're you're not actively looking for a duck you can sit there and watch exactly. them have fun yeah Absolutely. I, I was just i was strictly an observer strictly 
uh, I was the fly on the wall, if you will. And uh, I, I couldn't have had any more fun than I did uh, if I'd have had a full strap of mallards or you know a great you know, South Carolina whatever was allowable. But um, I, I was I had just as much fun watching them do it. So it was a it was a wonderful wonderful morning. And uh, you know I, I'm hopefully uh, with everything willing and able, I'll do it again next year for them. That's awesome. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Do you have any other successes you're hunting? Well, you know, uh, my success is uh, my son's success. I, his success is my success. I guess it's kind of vice versa. I, I, he literally fills up the freezer. I just put him in the primetime spots, <laughs> and I just go and move what he harvests. Um, you know, we had a lot of fun. He actually, uh, because of his efforts, uh, we had turkey and hog for Thanksgiving this year, all taken by him when he was, wow. I guess, nine. Um, and so it was, uh, it was, it was an incredible moment where he, he gave the blessing cause he was the one that harvested whoever, whoever is, whoever uh, procured the turkey or the hog or whatever we were having that year, uh, always gets to say grace. And so Benson's duty was to say grace because he was the one who went out and, you know, secured the, 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 the meat for the meat, the feast for the family. And, uh, it was just, it was an incredible moment and uh, one that I was very proud of him. Um, you know, through the years, uh, I, I'm able to get out there and, uh, you know, kind of teach him the life lessons that you do, you learn in the woods, um, you know, aging and, you know, looking at things and, uh, taking in the moments and not always, uh, with, through the scope, but just taking it in through the lens of just appreciation of the natural beauty that surrounds us every day. Now, um, do I love to eat, eat them? Absolutely. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, cube steak fried is one of the best things in this world. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, I will never apologize for that. But uh, but I think that that um, I think that it's, it's just it's just it's a rite of passage for me now. It's more it's become more about taking him and watching him succeed. And now I'm moving on to my seven year old now that Vincent is now uh, a bow hunter. Now um, he's he, he's he's gravitated to that now more so than a rifle. Uh, he's got a lot of animals under his belt with a rifle, so he is uh, moving to the bow and getting more intimate with his uh, quarry. And now I'm moving on to my seven year old, who hopefully will be in the turkey blind with me uh, this April March come Youth Day and. Uh, take his first uh, turkey with me. So that'll be a, another special moment for sure. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I have uh, I have a 16-year-old and a, uh, a 7-year-old boy and then a 5-year-old little girl, and uh, I try to get out in the woods with them as much as I can. Uh, I don't get to hunt with them as much as I, I would like to, um, but I do. Both of my boys are, are, are active in scouts, and they've opened up scouting to, to girls now, and, and uh, so we're – there's a hike they're going on a hike this weekend we're going camping a couple weekends from now and just getting them outside and um, I tell them all the time and you know it's it you guys are very comfortable inside I need you to 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 adopt and, and be comfortable with being a little uncomfortable and 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 that's just it, because the like like you mentioned the life lessons you learn in the woods those things translate to the real world 
so much. Absolutely. And our youth in this next generation, I think, need that more than more than ever before uh, with the world they're, yeah, the world they're growing more. up in. Could, yeah. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Uh, we had a nice little neighbor. I, I mentor a Boy Scout troop here locally, and Vincent uh, was a part of one as well. Um, but um, I had a, I had a little boy down the street that I was mentoring, a uh, single uh, mother raising him, and um, I would go by and take him to the woods every now and then, just kind of catch up with him. And um, he was turning, I want to say, 13 or 14, and um, I, he said all all his friends were coming over, um, and he was they were all getting together and uh, going to have a big birthday party for him his day. I was like, that's awesome. I was like, are you getting a cake? What are you doing? He's like, no, they'll, we'll all get together at about one o'clock, and then we're just going to game all day. I was like, what do you mean? He, I said, I said you're not having a party. Everybody's like, come here. He's like, no, he goes, oh no, these are my own line friends. And uh, I was, I was crushed. And I was like, I was like, online friends are great. I was like, you don't have anybody here for your birthday that you want to like hang out with or do like a birthday cake or a dinner or anything. And so I took him a birthday cake that day, but uh, literally he got online with his friends and gamed all day. Yeah. And I was like, there's, there, there's a, there's a certain uh, correlation with a disconnect where, you know, you, you th those are, those are important things too. I'm not I'm not discounting, you know, getting on your computer and having friends that way, you know, through technology. But I think there's a, a real, a real part of life is being outside and being with your buddies, you know, in, in the streets playing pickup football, basketball, baseball, whatever it may be, or shooting hoops or just walking around talking or just riding your bicycle. I don't care what you're doing. It's just, there's gotta be some sense of, uh, of you can reach out and touch them and like give them a high five. And just, I, I think that nowadays, uh, the more and more we gravitate toward technology, I think that's, you're right. I think it's getting to be a dangerous kind of correlation there with where people are getting very comfortable inside and they've forgotten where we really belong. And that's kind of exploring mm -hmm. and seeing what's over that next hill. What's up, you know, what's around the next bend in the river. I just, I think that's getting lost some somewhere uh, here recently, or I guess in the last probably 30, 40 years, um, it's kind of kind of trended that way. But um, yeah, I'm trying to do everything I can do to remind people that the outdoors is an amazing place and a great way to spend time um, with your loved ones. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. Um, I do have, a, a, I'm going to pivot just still on the outdoor topic. I need to know the story of that hornet's nest behind you. Oh man, which I got a bunch of them. Every time, hey, here's a here's a here's a here's a pro hornet uh, nest collector's tip: uh, <laughs> don't go get them until the first hard frost. <laughs> you gotta go get those things before the first hard frost because you see them. You, the leaves fall off the trees, and that's really when you can start to pick them up. They always usually are over like water or something or somewhere close to water, and um, and so literally once you see once the leaves fall off the trees, you can really start to pick them out through the woods when you're walking around. And I mean, I probably have about. About probably five or six away. I give them away to friends, like to put in their lodges or what, or in hunt clubs or whatever they have, wherever they gonna put them. But um, you know, um, literally, if we, when you see them, you start to get really, really excited, and then all of a sudden you start to like check them. You know, it's getting colder, it's getting colder. I can check them, I can check them, and so they get kind of dormant. They get kind of very docile. You don't see any activity for a while, but if you let them sit too long after they get docile, then the birds will go in there and start to tear them up. Like they, they will literally go in there, tear the nest apart, eat out the larvae, and eat all the the ones that are just basically sitting in there, kind of almost in a kind of a kind of a hibernative state because they just they literally freeze to death inside the nest sometimes the ones that don't leave and so literally uh if you wait too long the birds will destroy it and so literally that is absolutely that that one is perfect that still has just the teeniest little dime-sized hole that you can see in that entire thing from where just the wasps were going in i got it right after the first hard frost where the wasps weren't going to come out and get me because sometimes i've climbed that tree and gotten on that limb and started stalling and all of a sudden here they come and it's drop buddy shoot me down that tree and scoot as fast as you can away and come back another day yeah. uh, but no 
Uh, I, I love collecting them. I think they're absolutely beautiful works of art. I mean, if you think about what it takes for those wasps to chew up tree bark in their saliva and then and come over back over here and do layer after layer of layer deposits on that thing. And then you see all the little colors, all the different little grays and browns and whites that are uh, that make up that. You think about all the time and effort and it's all for procreation and all for you know, making sure that their next next generation is survived and that because that, that offers protection that's their nest that, that is literally what they're doing and so literally it just it's an amazing feat of mother nature and it's just another example of just the depths and the determination that they go to to ensure survivability of their their species it's, it's absolutely incredible i mean i, I i'm humbled and i mean whenever you see it like that i mean that is absolutely mother nature's work of art right there so what happens to, i mean what happens to everything inside of it i mean you just uh Oh, no, everything, if you get them at the right time, everything in there is de dead. Everything's oh, gone. Gotcha. Yeah, everything, everything's hatched out and all the people, all, all the other, all, all the ones that were there protecting, trying to save the, the thing have all frozen inside it. And they, when you, when you shake, when you shake it, they'll just drop out dead as a doornail. Okay. I was, I didn't know if there was larvae still in there. The last ones to leave, all, the ones that are the left to protect always freeze inside it. So it's kind of a sad, sad ending to for them. But, um, they come back the next year and build another one and do it all over again. <laughs> That's wild. So there's no larva inside of it or anything? No, not after not after the hard freeze. They're wow. all gone. Hashtag gone. Yep. That's good to know. I was like, yeah, they yeah. you're like they put all this hard work and effort into it, and then I, I come in there and take it down and kill them all. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> after the first hard freeze, usually around uh, December, January is when I start getting, cutting them down and stuff like that. Because you've had a couple hard freezes, November, December, and then January is pretty safe to go get them. And now, probably here in the next month or so, they'll start making them again. They'll be back and start making them again, and they'll be uh, back to that size. And probably four four months, they'll have them up and be back in there raising their next their next clutch. I did not know that, but I, I, I see them. We we uh, hunt in some flooded timber, and I, I see them in there pretty often, but I never think to go grab one. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're truly works of art, and uh, you know it's sometimes they're uh, un unreachable, especially if they're like out over uh, you know on a limb that's way up high. Some of them are just you know too high to go get or too risky. I'm just I'm not that young anymore, so I'm not going shimmying up any tree and risking life and limb for a hornet's nest anymore. I've got enough, but uh, but no, uh, they're they're truly uh, beauty and to be admired. Some sometimes from a distance, though I'll say that for for all the listeners out there, all, beauty to be admired from a distance. I'm not I'm not recommending anybody go climb a tree and cut down a hornet's nest. <laughs> yeah I, I'll, I'll recommend it for you yeah well <laughs> yeah is there anything on brackish that people need to know that or you think they should know or anything about anything you guys are doing that is important that we haven't covered well, you know i think that um i, I want to say that you know brackish we always strive to make things better we always strive to leave uh, things better than we found it. Um, you know, Jeff and I put our heart and soul into this company. Uh, we are very, very proud of all the individuals that uh, work with us, have worked for us, uh, and all the endeavors that they have uh, personally. And um, it's just, it's a humbling thing to be a part of. And I just, I, I cannot, I, I never my wildest dreams that I think it would have done what it did. Jeff always had that, that vision that it would become what it's become. Um, I guess, uh, you know, him being the more business side of the things and me being the more artistic side of things, um, kind of designing and stuff. Um, I guess I, I just, I, I never had that belief that something that, uh, that I could make from my heart would have taken off like it did. Um, and, uh, I meant to make that pun there, take off, fly, fly out the way it did. But, um, but, uh, anyway, they, my, my team gets so, gets so tired of me doing those things, but I, I have to do it. But, uh, but anyway, um, you know, it's, 
it's very humbling. I never in my wildest dreams thought we'd be where we are today. Jeff never had a doubt. Um, but I tell you, um, as I often say, you know, the sky is not the limit. It's where we soar because we deal in feathers. Um, you know, we've re recently released a, 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 a custom belt line, a belt buckle that I designed, uh, that our design team has taken and made much better than my a rough prototype. And those are doing really well. I'm working on some, uh, you know, trucker patch hats that are coming out hopefully sometime later this year. The women's line this spring is going to introduce, you know, three or four brand new uh, earring styles and a new uh, necklace style and a new uh, bracelet style. So I, I truly believe that we're just getting started. I mean, it's just, I mean, stay tuned, uh, strap in, and here we come. Because I think that, uh, as we talked about earlier, complacency is the death of a company. If you just get, uh, if you rest back on your laurels and just satisfy with what you've achieved thus far, I think you'll be surpassed, uh, both uh, you know, professionally and in life. Uh, I think you should always try to strive to better yourself, better your understanding, um, you know, achieve knowledge, and uh, continue to um, you know search out those challenges in life. Get out of your comfort zone, like you were talking about. I mean, go go and challenge yourself. And um, you know, something I'm very proud of. Uh, uh, you know, Jeff and Courtney, um, that's Jeff, Jeff's wife is Courtney. Um, Jeff went and did the Kiowa Marathon uh, a year or you know, I guess, yeah, a year ago. Um, this past year, Courtney went and did it. They've never, they're not marathoners, they're not, not long distance runners. They just put, they put themselves out of their comfort zone, trained their head, their bodies off. I mean, went and just, and went and did it. And Courtney qualified top three to be up there at Boston. So, wow. I mean, just, wow. it's, yeah, it's amazing what you can do when you put your mind to something. Uh, and, and get yourself out of your comfort zone and just push yourself to see what your limit is. Because li literally, I mean, like I just said, you know, limitations are only what you put on yourself. I mean, we're we're made to get out there and see what we can do, push yourself. And uh, I think when you stop trying to push yourself and you get complacent or you just get very lethargic, I think that's when, um, you know, you just danger sets in. You just you just start lying back and just waiting for it to come when you don't go out there and get it. And I think that's what you got to go. You got to go get it. I tell everybody that's the number one thing that the Army taught me was – no matter how much it sucks, no matter how much you think that's all you got, it, you, you surprisingly got a lot more. You can keep going. Got more. Dig deep. Dig deep. Yeah. I mean, you do it in sports. You do it in the military. You do it uh, in life. You do it in business. You do it uh, with your family. You do it with your friends. You just you give it all you got every single day, um, and uh, you leave it all out there. And you just I, I don't know any other way to live. I don't know any other way to be. Uh, it's who I am through and through, and um you know, I'm very blessed that uh, you know my family and friends love me for it. Uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Uh, anybody who's ever met me will tell you that. Um, yeah, I'm a big hugger. Uh, I'm never afraid to tell somebody that I love them when I love them, and uh, I, I've never apologized for that. I think it's uh, I think it's just um, I, I just think that's an important uh, facet that, uh, that makes me who I am. I just you know I think that the, my parents uh, taught me at an early age that that is the most important thing. Let people know that you love them when you love them, and uh, you know just be be who you are, be comfortable in your own skin, and uh, everything else take care of itself. That's another thing I've, I've, I was told this not too long ago and I've never had an opportunity to say it on here. So I'm going to say it now, but your positivity yeah. and the energy that you push out, it's the guy was saying, he was like, people walk through life and they go, this is hard. Like life is hard. Like this is going to be yeah. difficult or whatever. And it's, and that's what you're going to get back. And it's very powerful yeah. because you're putting out that vibe. Like this is going to suck and therefore it sucks. But if you say life is not hard, this is not hard. This is going to be easy. Look, I can do that. It's a new skill. I don't know how to do it, but I know I, I know I'll figure it out. It'll come to you quickly. But people yeah. always try to push out that negativity. Like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how I'm going to figure out how to do it. You can't can't live life that way. No, absolutely not. That's a great. I'm glad I gave you that uh, segue to be able to pop that in there. That's a great point. Well oh, yeah. said. Thank, thank. I wish it was my words. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to hear your favorite hunting story. 
Oh man, I have so many. Um, because you know, it's not a the hunting stories. Um, are wonderful in the harvest, but it's all the things that it took to get to the point of the harvest for, for that opportunity to be right there in front of you. Um, you know, my son, uh, Benson, I'll have to go back to that being the dad. I'm, I glow, I glow about it. And yeah, my father and I have shared some mornings where we've had some incredible hunts uh, together and I should probably say some of those, but, uh, the most recent one, I mean, they're all the best and I, I love each one of them, uh, for what they are and, uh, totally respect the each, uh, circumstance. But, um, the, the one that comes to mind, if you pin me down and said, what's the best, uh, I love taking people for the first time to get their uh, first turkeys. And, uh, I took my Benson to get his first turkey, but the first two turkeys he got were kind of, um, kind of not the traditional way I enjoy turkey hunting, where it's a uh, kind of a cat and mouse call them in, uh, kind of what I call the run and gun type style where you're actually sneaking through, you can make moves on them, kind of feel where they're going, kind of move around, try to, you know, flank them, call them in. It sound like a hen because in nature, turkeys, inevitably, the gobbler sits there and gobbles, which is basically saying, come here, I'm right here, come here. And so whenever you call as a hen and he gobbles back to you, he's saying, come here, I'm over here. The hens in nature go to him. They don't. They don't. They don't make the gobbler come to them. And so when you when you're calling that turkey in, you have to sound so good that he's it's reversing everything that's innate inside his body. You're, he's having. He's like, why is she coming over here? I don't sound good. I'm gonna go over there and see why she's so hung up and not coming over here to see me. I'm gonna go see her because it's it's reversing what he's doing. And so my my son and I were fortunate enough to. Um, had some property down the watery swamp and um we were hunting down there one morning and we'd had a, a, a decent morning some you know gobbling on the roost and then he ended up going the other way and we started trying to figure out how we were getting in front of him and we stopped just i said let's just hang right here let's see what happens it's a nice little flat if he's out that way we're gonna hear him and he he gobbled probably you know three four hundred yards back over to our right and we'd we we'd flanked the wrong way i was like dad going on sorry buddy but then right at the next second i let out a crow call just to check him one more time and two birds gobbled less than a hundred yards away behind a blowdown right in front of us i said just get down no decoys no nothing and he's he's eight he's eight years old nine years old at this point nine years old because it was last year and so nine years old he sits down and uh and i said get it up on your knee uh no blinds no no seats no decoys no nothing he and i sit down and i tell you and i make i make two calls i crow called so they didn't know i was that we were there as a hunter they just knew that there was a crow in the area and so i sat down once we got our face mask pulled down our our um in our glove zone i hit the call just with a nice little couple clucks and then a soft, soft little yelp, just like kind of a lost yelp. And they cut me off. I put the call down. I said, get ready, buddy. I think they're going to be coming. Right about that time, they stepped out from behind the deadfall and gave us the most beautiful picture of two birds coming in in full strut through the goldenrod. The goldenrod were probably about knee to thigh deep in the swamp. South Carolina. One of the most beautiful things. I mean, I'm talking about cypress swamp, cypress knees through the goldenrod. I mean, and then you have these two beautiful turkeys come up there and they came right up 20 yards away and sat there and put on a show, goblins, spitting and drumming. And I said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to take them. And so <laughs> I said, all right, let, 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 let's do it. I said, I'll count them down. And I said, one, two, three. And I let him shoot first. I want to make sure that his bird was anchored before I even went to mine. So I, I was covering his bird. I said, you shoot the one on the left, I'll shoot the one on the right. One, two, three. And I had mine on him, his bird, just in case he uh, wounded or something like that. And when I saw his bird go down, I pivoted to mine and mine stuck his head up and went about to go, I think, attack his buddy. And then I've shot mine. So well, I got to double up my son uh, at nine years old. That was probably one of the most special memories I'll ever have. Uh, and that's actually one of the turkeys that we ate for this past um, Thanksgiving. So 
it was a re really special memory um, that, uh, I mean, I, I think I had a smile on my face ear to ear. I, I, I was so happy for him. And, uh, and just, uh, and if you add, and I think if you asked him what his favorite hunting memory, I hope that would be probably one of his, but uh, you know, he, he, he loves going with dad. He loves coming with me. And uh, it's just, it's just, I, I have to pinch myself every day that, um, that he gets it. And I'm just so excited for his younger brother to start getting into it now too. That's amazing. That's a great story, man. I, that that description uh, sounds like something straight out of a Ryan Kirby painting. Uh, just <laughs> I, I think I think that you know, I, and I'm sure y'all feel the same way. I mean, you it's kind of like every hunt, every every. I mean, I can remember the unsuccessful hunts too, and I think you learn more from the unsuccessful hunts than you do the successful hunts because you you kind of figure out what you did wrong or kind of you know what move that I made that I could have made or what didn't I do that I should have done. Um, you know, there's all those kind of things that, uh, you know, you know no, true to, no two trips outside are ever the same. The, the sights, the sounds, the experiences, every time is going to be different. I don't care if you're going to the park or whether you're going out on a block of, you know, 3,000 acres. I mean, every single trip is going to be different. There's going to be different seasons, different sights, different sounds, different smells. I mean, it's just it's an, it's it's an adventure and it's something that needs to be seized every day uh, that you can that you can do it. I mean, every 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 spare time that is, I mean, as opposed to you know sitting around and just you know looking at the TV or something like that. Get outdoors, get out there, uh, find a friend, go for a walk. I just I cannot encourage people enough to get outside and just really uh, go see Mother Nature's beauty and, and that she surrounds us with every day. I mean, everything from the from the the color of a changing leaf in the fall to the birds singing now. We got a day. I'm sure it's like I I think y'all got 77 down there today, 75 ish. I mean, I hear Cardinals outside call 76 call, right, call now. right now. Yeah, yeah. So literally, I mean, it's it, they're, they're called, they're, the Cardinals are doing the mating calls. I'm like, hey, guys, y'all need to pump the brakes a little bit because I know y'all don't know it, but it's only February. And guess what? <laughs> well, nature's not done with us yet. Here, here comes March, and I promise you, we'll get another cold snap. It's going to kill all my beautiful camellias and azaleas. I promise you that. 100% is going to happen. Pump the brakes on that mating stuff. <laughs> Hopefully, it takes Wait the no seams with them. That's the truth. That's the truth. That down there in the low country, I tell you what, those things will flat eat you up, dude. They, pick, if you don't have a breeze on those on those marshes on that saltwater flats, woo wee. I swear I've watched them pick a kid up and fly away with them before. Hey, hey absolutely. Was it at Bennett's Point? I saw that kid too. I think it's <laughs> yeah. at Bennett's Point. I think yeah. they took him. That's it. They did Creek. All right. That's it. <laughs> yep. And I love low country jokes. So people are like, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Yeah, absolutely. Any any place that names the creek Mosquito Creek, and, and, they, and they say this, and they have a picture of the state bird, and it's a mosquito, and it's the size of somebody's head. I mean, that's, that that tells you what we got rolling around here. That's it. Ryan Curry posted a picture yesterday of him walking next to a lake downtown. It says, "Do not enter. There are snakes and alligators everywhere." And it's like. <laughs> And he was freaked out about it, and I'm like, "Oh, that's just that's just Charleston. <laughs> that's just the low country." I mean, yeah. hey, I mean, that's that, every day you take you take a step in the swamp or in the in the brackish water. I mean, that's 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 the reality of the situation. We take people duck hunting up with this at the mouth of the Ashley is where our hunt club yeah. is, and uh, we yeah. tell her by you know, there's gators all through the Ashley. I was Absolutely. like, "But it's cold enough. Don't worry about it." And I've never Absolutely. seen one in there, but they got to be in there. Oh, they're in there, hundred percent. Yeah, um, you know they don't call alligator cut right down there at Edisto, um, Edisto River. Alligator cut for no reason. I mean, right. That, that there are more alligators down there. You should get a stick at. Yeah. And then you go, go a little bit further up around Green, around Green Pond, Bear Island, and all that. I mean, I mean, you got 12, 15 footers all over the place down there. Dude, I went to Bear Island. I got a lottery hunt, and so nice. walking out in the morning, they have all the levees out there that you walk across, yeah. and your headlamp. You look out there, all you see is red eyeballs everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It gets a little spooky, but like you said, as long as, I mean, the, the big ones will mess with you, but they're pretty, when it's cold like that, they're pretty docile. They don't really want to do much. They just like to lay, lounge around. But I hate, to, you, you can always step, when you're in the, you know, those little holes into the side of the levee. If you step off that levee and step in a gator hole, you're going to slip and go straight over into the dike because that's how they get, that's how where they hibernate. So mm-hmm. you always got to watch. I always take me a little pole to poke around out there when I'm walking around out there in those old mar- those old marshes and those rice fields because those gators will make those holes and you slide down on one of those, you come it up over your Yep. I, there's a guy that I've, I have a friend that he does noodling at Lake Murray and he was oh, telling yeah, for me, yep, for catfish. And he was like, the best yeah. way to do it is going to these docks, like where there's concrete and they, they dig yeah. under there. He's like, but gators do it too. So they take like this rod and they stick it in there. And if, if the hole goes straight down, then that's yeah. catfish. If it goes up yeah. and there's air in there, that's gator. gator. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. like, that's how you tell the difference. And I'm like, ah, that's too yeah. close. <laughs> Hey, I'll tell you this. I know I just said about pushing yourselves and getting out of comfort zone and see how far. I don't know if I'm ever going to go do put my hands in any hole. I like my fingers too much. I work with these things too much to go sticking them in a hole in a dark crevice in the in the muddy water to see if they're and alligator snapping turtles too. I, oh yeah, hey, they're there too. Oh yep. yeah, that's awesome. Yep. Yep. Well, Ben, I appreciate you taking this time to talk to us, man. Thank you all enough for having me. Uh, it's, it's been an honor, and uh, we're really excited about Seaweed Week being back. Uh, you know, just wish the best to everybody. Wish the best to y'all. Love what y'all are doing over there as well. Uh, I'm humbled to be a part of this, and uh, it's been a, truly an honor, guys. I can't thank you enough for all y'all do and just kind of you know, raising awareness and just having some fun conversations here. I, I look forward to it, and hopefully y'all have me back if I wasn't too long-winded or too uh, rambling. Dude, absolutely not. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime. You yep. just tell us when you got something to say. Anytime. It sounds great. Sounds good, guys. All right. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all so much. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye. bye